It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. The day that this episode comes out, I will be on a road trip. I think I mentioned this last week. Maybe not. It's hard to keep track of when I mention things, but I talk about my road trips a lot. So this is one of many. And I am going to a conference. Actually, I do remember bringing this up in the Web3 episode where I was talking about this event happening in Phoenix, Arizona called CEX. By the time you hear this, I will have already left CEX and I will actually be with my sister in Colorado with one of our friends. And I am so excited about it. But one thing that I find challenging and a habit that I would really love to break is trying to prepare myself for being seen physically in person. And I think that's become increasingly challenging for many people because many of us haven't spent a lot of time around other people in the past few years. I've seen some close friends and family, but there's still a little bit of discomfort that I feel because I've spent so much time at home. Now, granted, I'm on camera almost every single day. I feel pretty comfortable with my appearance on camera, although sometimes I look back on videos and feel uncomfortable. My habit is feeling uncomfortable about my weight. And for those that don't know this, I have struggled with that most of my life. Again, I think it's extremely common. I didn't even realize that until more people started talking about their weight challenges and disordered eating or eating disorders. When I was going through the height of that, when I was in high school and college, I really felt alone because it wasn't talked about. I didn't have social media (laughs) back then, which was nice for a lot of reasons, but social media does bring us together and raise awareness. Podcasts weren't around. And I think even if they had been, I don't know, in the time that I was going through that stage in my life, I feel like it was almost taboo to talk about ourselves, especially with so much emphasis on losing weight and getting in shape. And looking back on all the magazines I saw, I was really into reading magazines. They were very stimulating to me. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like I had a big fascination with them and I'm not sure if like every high school girl did. But again, this is before social media. So maybe it's, we feel more satisfied by social media And maybe that's replaced magazines in some ways because I would turn to them for advice and be like, ooh, like what are the latest tips on makeup and clothes and diet and what are the celebrities doing? We can do all that by going to look at somebody's Instagram. And so I think that there's this natural tendency, especially for women or people who identify as women, to see what others are doing and what's working for them. But the downside of that, of course, is that advice works for them not necessarily you. And I have spent most of my life, at least since I was a teenager, 
feeling a bit frustrated that what works for other people has not worked for me. And I've talked about that many times on this show, but not necessarily about my body. And I noticed the other day, as I was prepping for this upcoming trip in which I'm going to see a bunch of people, some people that I've met online and never met in person. I'm going to see my sister. I'm going to see friends. Even mentioning that gives me a little tightness in my body because I want to look attractive to them. And this is the habit that I'm trying to break is that I feel so much pressure to be attractive, but I don't really want to live my life focused on my appearance as I've been very clear about. But I am afraid of people seeing me and not perceiving me as attractive because I think that there's power in being attractive. And this actually came up on a episode that I recorded with a guest, which is coming out in a few weeks, about three weeks from when you're listening to this one. Her name is Amber. And we weren't talking about beauty as a theme, but it did come up. And I mentioned how I believe beauty and looking attractive to be something powerful. And I feel weak when I feel unattractive. And I noticed this about myself the other day when I was shopping for some new clothes for this trip. I even just yesterday, I was in the changing room and I had to like mentally coach myself. When you look in this mirror at yourself in these clothes that you've never put on your body before, be gentle, be kind. Because I don't feel great about my body right now. I feel heavier. And when I feel heavy, I feel weak. And that is a habit, mental habit that I want to release because it does not serve me. And I've been battling that throughout most of my life. And it has become a habit because I think it all the time. And what's interesting is I think before that fitting room experience yesterday, which actually didn't go so poorly. I experienced that more a few weeks ago when I was buying clothes for this trip and a party. I, you know, I, I don't go clothing shopping very frequently. I actually much prefer to do clothing swaps with my friends, but those have become few and far between during the pandemic. And so I've gone to secondhand stores and I've also gone to some bought brand new clothes that I wasn't able to find at a secondhand store. And a few weeks ago, I was really hard on myself because I was surprised at how my body looked and felt. And I was frustrated that it didn't look and feel the way I wanted it to in in the clothes that I was trying on. And I started to feel some shame. So yesterday, I was trying to be very intentional about not falling into that trap. Additionally, this week, I was just thinking about how it's really interesting that I try so hard to change and exhausting, truly. And I was reflecting on how we live in this society that's like constantly telling us we're not enough. And that seems like a really obvious concept, but I was reflecting on on another level that I don't think I've thought about much, which is that we don't have to constantly change. In fact, I took a note here. And I started off with, what if you accepted yourself as you are? What if instead of trying to change, you just let yourself evolve into whatever direction you naturally went into? And this to me applies to so many things, 
my hair, for example, as I've mentioned, if you're watching the YouTube version, which by the way, probably won't be out in sync with the audio version of the podcast, but I have been on top of releasing new videos on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube right now to the Wellevator account, it's youtube.com slash Wellevator. You'll see that I've been trying to upload old podcast episodes and I'm trying to catch up so I can be current again. And when you do see some of these videos, you may notice that I have some gray hair coming in, although it's still pretty subtle, but depending on where I turn my head and where I, how I, my hair is done, you can see the gray hair. And I've really learned to embrace that. It's very exciting to me because when I first started getting a lot of gray hair is about two years ago or so, I felt a lot of shame and I was plucking them out and thinking about what I was going to do. I felt panicked. And I've mentioned this in a previous episode about ageism that came out actually on my birthday, March 21st of this year. I talked about beauty a bit, I think either in that episode or some surrounding episodes. And I've actually just relaxed into it and I'm okay. Like I don't think about my gray hair that much. I kind of more notice it. And sometimes I wonder like, will I ever dye it? What will it be like when it's more prominent? Right now it kind of blends in. I don't know how many people notice it. But will I feel differently about it when it's 25% of my hair color, 50%? How long will I feel like I can hold out to not dye it? And why do I even want to hold out, right? It's a complicated thing because am I trying to prove something by having gray hair? No. I actually just don't like dyeing my hair, period. And I don't want to fight against something that my body is naturally doing. And this is part of this pondering here. With my body size and the way that it feels, I've spent so much of my life trying to fight against it. And I can't remember if I've ever mentioned this before on the podcast, but I am really drawn to this idea that our bodies have some sort of a natural size to them. And that will also fluctuate. But what if instead of fighting against that, we just let our bodies be? And I remember when I first heard that, which was fairly recently, probably in the last few years, I felt so taken back because that concept was never brought up to me. I was surrounded by messaging in those magazines, friends and family members on TV, Everywhere I turned, it was like, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. Here's how to get in shape. Here's how to get these abs. I was constantly doing things. And I had this flashback to maybe 15 years ago, if I were to guess. A friend of mine who knew me since I was a teenager said something really interesting. I think I was about to go visit my family. I used to go visit them at least once a year. Still, I still do, but... So I guess I should say I I tend to visit my family at least once a year and they're all the way on the other side of the country. So it's a big trip. And I said, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working out a lot more before I go home and I'm eating differently before I go home. And he said, oh yeah, you always do that before you see your family, something along those lines. And I was like, really? I had never even realized it, how much time I would try to prep my body before seeing my family. And it makes sense. A lot of my struggles mentally with my body are tied to the way I was raised, having a mother that really encouraged me to look a certain way and having a sister who naturally looks the way I want to. My sister has a much more slender frame 
and she doesn't seem to have to work for it. Neither did my mom. Although now I'm wondering how much my mom's worked for it without just not sharing it. I don't know, but I have always been a little bit larger in in size and shape than my mother and my sister and felt this pressure to try to conform to their size and felt shame when I didn't. And if I were to compile photos of my body throughout my whole life, you would see it go up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's wonder how much of the downs are the times where I was trying to control it and shape it and change it, manage it. And how many of those ups meaning the uptime is when I was a larger size. What if that's just the way my body is? And what if the rest of the time is what my body looks like when it's being controlled? And that word control is so key because I do not like being controlled. Who does? But I have been controlling myself or trying to so much. And what if instead of getting frustrated with my body as it is today, I just embrace it and say, okay, that's fine. I've noticed that I really enjoy seeing mothering styles that are accepting of children, just letting them be. One of my friends has three children and she seems so radical in her approach to parenting her kids kind of just run wild and do whatever they want. And it seems to go against so many mentalities we have around how kids should be raised. But in the context of what I'm sharing right now, I think that's so amazing. Now, granted, I'm not an expert on parenting or being a mom. I've never been one. But there's something so freeing about that. And maybe that's because I didn't feel a lot of freedom I did, well, I did to an extent, not to get into all the nuances of it, but like, especially when it came to my body and my education, I felt a lot of pressure to conform, a lot of pressure to be a certain way, to shape myself into something that maybe I wasn't naturally. And I think that just a lot of the experience many people have And especially women in the society and people that identify as women feeling like they have to show up and look a certain way and conform, conform, conform. And if they don't, they are perceived as less powerful, less valuable. And that word value is key here too, because it's not just, I think the word power is interesting because my desire is not to dominate and, you know, be in charge or be better than. I want to be equal and I want to be seen as inherently valuable. I think we all do, right? I want to feel accepted and seen. And going back to some of my fears that I've noticed coming up, like when I was in the dressing room, even when before I got to the dressing room, when I was just like picking out clothes at the store yesterday, I was observing each of them and thinking like, how will I look in this? What will that convey about me? Am I going to look young? Am I going to look stylish? Am I going to look smart? Am I going to look too sexy? Am I going to look sexy enough? Am I going to be seen as someone worth taking seriously? Am I going to look cool? Am I going to look interesting? You know, all this stuff, all the colors I'm looking at and the patterns of the clothing and the style. And then I put on the clothes and I remember just thinking through, like imagining myself in different scenarios that I'm going to be in on this trip and like, okay, when would I wear this outfit? And what will people think of me as I'm wearing it? 
it's exhausting. I don't want to live my life that way, to be honest, but it's in my head all the time. And a lot of people really feel like this is the way to be successful. Like we have to think this way. But here's the other interesting thing is that I feel like right now in my life, I have all of my needs met. I don't talk a lot about my personal life, but my personal life is very satisfying. <laughs> like I am in a good place, however you want to view that. I have so much love in my life on many different levels personally. I occasionally will feel a desire to get approval from various people in my life, whether that's friends, family, romantic partner. You know, I think that again, maybe it's just a habit. And even noticing like how I want to look good for my sister, you know, what's my sister going to notice? And my, my sister notices my body. So I think it's that kind of fear and wondering like what she's thinking about my body, but she's also been conditioned in her own way. So I can't really blame her for it. But, you know, last year I saw my sister a few times once in July where I felt not so great about my body at the time. And then again in September, I felt really good about my body. And I remember her saying like, you look really good. And somewhere either in July or maybe even when she saw me the second time, she like noticed a difference. Like she noticed that my body changed shape. And so it was this positive reward and also like a little bit of sadness, like great. Like if my body looks right now today in April or May, technically 2022, if I don't look, quote, as good as I did when she saw me in the fall of 2021. Will I feel shame? You know, like I still want my sister's approval. I want her to think my clothes are cool. I remember like in July of 2021, like she didn't like all my clothes choice. I mean, maybe that's just the dynamic, but like there's pressure. I feel pressure there about how I show up for my sister. My sister just you know, she has like what I perceive to be this natural ability to always look good in whatever she wears. You know, she does pay attention to her appearance. Her hair always looks nice. She she dyes her hair. Like she probably won't have gray hair for a long time. You know, she always wears stylish clothes. She always is in shape. Like that's, you know, and so that comparison of trying to measure up to my sister, but like ultimately it doesn't matter. My sister and I have an amazing relationship. We deeply love each other. I don't need to prove myself to her. I still want her approval though, which is interesting. So do I subconsciously feel like I have to win her over? Will she think less of me if I don't look as stylish and as thin and whatever else? She'll still love me. There's that unconditional love, but it seems in my head that she may think better of me when I look a certain way. And that is pressure. And I think as a society... That is always underlying, you know? What happens when I show up to a podcast a certain way or take photos and have meetings with people? Like, do they judge me for how I look? And I'm trying not to care about that. Yesterday, I had a, a Zoom meeting with a new company that's a client, becoming a client of mine, and their entire team is men. At least that was on the call. Like, I think there's maybe one other woman on their team. But I had this moment, I'm like, wow, I didn't like dress up for it. I don't usually put on makeup before a Zoom or do my hair. I don't even remember what I was wearing, but I had a moment, I'm like, uh-oh, 
I know that they take me seriously because of the work that I do and the way that I speak, but did they kind of like deduct points because of the way I look? Like, in other words, would I have earned more from them and their attention and their approval had I been a little bit more polished? Like, I'd love to think that no would be the answer, but the reality in which many of us operate in our society is leaning towards yes, that we will generally perceive someone a certain way based on their appearance. It's really frustrating. Now, for me, if I'm working on these mental habits, especially around my body size, like if I don't want to fight my body all the time, what I have been working on is like being mindful to how I treat my body physically and mentally. So I've been mindful of drinking water. I am really, really good. I This water bottle, by the way, I've mentioned it. I will continue to mention it. It has maybe changed my life and my relationship with water. It's called the Hydrate. They are not a sponsor. I didn't even get this water bottle from them, but I did get it as a gift and it's wonderful. H-I-D-R-A-T-E. I will link to it and probably use an affiliate link. So if you buy one, I might make a little commission in full transparency, but no agenda in mentioning them other than to say, I'm so thrilled at how hydrated my body is at all times, but it didn't change my body size. You know, I think some people recommend water as if it's going to be some game changer, but like, I think it's done wonders for my organs, including my skin, but hasn't like helped me lose weight. I'm mindful about food and certainly I find myself eating comfort food and snacks and stuff, but I've realized like, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy snacking. I really enjoy having a sweet treat. And aside from those two things that I do very regularly, like I'm present to the fact that I nourish my body with great food, you know, and Unless I am really mindful of what I'm eating all the time, I will not lose weight. And that's okay. So I'm drinking water to take care of my insides and I'm eating food to take care of my insides and I'm allowing myself to snack and have sweets because that scratches an emotional itch. And I've spent so much of my life feeling like it's guilt food. It's junk food. When you eat potato chips that I love or eating, you know, I love grain-free tortilla chips from time to time. And I love grain-free foods because they feel better to me than gluten, which I'm really sensitive to. Right. So I'm treating my body a certain way because I would rather play closer attention to how I feel. Like if my stomach isn't upset, that's a win. If my skin isn't itching, that's a win for me. If I don't feel super bloated or inflamed, that's a win. Versus so much of my life, weight was always the primary concern when it came to food. Now, as I've mentioned before and done an entire episode about actually at at the end of last year, I think it was December 31st, maybe with my friend Liz, I have really felt good about eating a keto diet, a vegan keto diet. But that doesn't always feel good to me emotionally. Physically, it's one of the best that I felt. Like right now in this moment as I'm recording, I feel a little like inflamed. Like I can feel it maybe like my neck. 
And it's frustrating because like I have felt really positive about my food choices emotionally and physically. And yet sometimes I still feel like my body's inflamed. This is one of the big reasons the keto diet has felt so good for me over the past four years off and on that I've been dabbling in it. I generally do not feel inflamed. So there's something about either the carbohydrates or certain foods that I've been really mindful not to eat when I try out that way of eating. But I've also found that that diet, of course, can feel very restrictive. And mentally, I don't always want to restrict myself. You know, like that feels not worth it. So something that's been challenging is I often feel like I have to choose between my mental health. Let me rephrase this. I feel like it's actually not a choice. I was going to say something around my mental and physical health. Physically, I have taken tests and be, been evaluated by a doctor a bunch of times over the past year. My blood work is really good. Like All things considered, I'm healthy, so I'm taking good care of myself. What I was trying to figure out how to formulate is like, it's all a mental health thing for me. Whereas sometimes though, I prefer to feel mentally comforted by food and not restricted. And other times I prefer to feel mentally better about my body, I guess is what I want to say. Now, certainly the inflammation side that I sense, whether it's my imagination or not, I like the sensation on my body of feeling less inflamed, but sometimes I'm willing to feel some inflammation like I do right now because the food that I ate was comforting. Like in this moment, I'm thinking I have to like go through a list of everything I ate and what could have possibly made me feel inflamed. It's tough having a lot of food sensitivities. As I talked about with Liz on meat-free keto, both of us have had this journey of being drawn to the keto way of eating because of we both have a ton of food sensitivities and it's really tough. But we also grew up with very similar mothers. So I've often wondered, like, do we develop food sensitivities as like some sort of psychological reaction? Liz also has some more severe, not even severe, but challenging uh, relationships with food on a physical level than I don't have. But Anyways, I bring up that navigating food has always been challenging for me physically and mentally, and that can be exhausting. And sometimes I just want to be like, sometimes I eat gluten and I'm like, I know this is not going to make me feel good. I'm going to quote pay for this for a few days, but I will eat it anyways, because in that moment, that food feels like the best choice for me mentally. Right. And I would rather not push against that. I would rather not resist that because I've spent so much of my life battling what I really wanted and feeling like I couldn't have it, feeling like I had to conform, feeling like I'd had to abide by other people's rules. And that's just so exhausting. So a lot of this is just experimenting and embracing the fact that my body and my mind are constantly changing. And that's the message that I thought would be helpful to share because I know I'm not alone in a lot of this. What works for other people does not necessarily work for me and it may not work for you either. And asking ourselves, do we need to constantly be changing? And what's interesting about that is that we are constantly changing. 
So let me clarify. Do we need to be constantly adjusting ourselves, right? It's actually really interesting to pause and think about this because our bodies are just evolving. Our brains are evolving over time, all the time in subtle ways. We are aging. We are learning. We're experiencing new things. And all of that leads to a change, a ripple effect. We are never the same. And yet a lot of us try to resist that. Like maybe we want to cling on to who we used to be. Maybe we feel like we have to constantly keep ourselves balanced, like resisting the changes. Like I'm always going to have to try to keep myself in this middle ground, even if I'm swinging one way or another. It's kind of like driving, right? You know, if you let go of the wheel, your car would probably go in a direction you didn't want it to. So you have to constantly adjust, adjust, adjust the tires to stay on track for where you want to go. That's a lot of work and perfect timing for me on my road trip, right? It's like, it can feel like just driving is so exhausting. You know, I've noticed this on my road trips. When I finally get to a destination, I feel so tired. And even though my body has been sitting and in the same position, and even though all I did was drive, I didn't work, I didn't, you know, do the other things that feel so intensive the rest of my life um just driving though takes a lot out of this and what if we applied that to the rest of our lives and realize like when we're constantly trying to keep ourselves in line it is taking a lot of energy and what if instead of we let go of the wheel a little bit more and just let ourselves be that's hard and uncomfortable i don't think i'm going to be there i mean i just bought all these new clothes, not a ton, about a few new outfits. And I'll probably feel more confident wearing them. And the reason being, because I think I'll, I'll look better than I do right now in my black t-shirt and my sweatpants that I'm wearing underneath the table. And I know that these outfits, I picked them because they felt flattering. They emphasize parts of my body that I feel good about and they kind of hide or, or, not de-emphasize, I guess hide. They don't exaggerate the parts of my body, like my stomach that I feel insecure about. They minimize it. And that's what I would consider flattering. So it still feels like a bit of a facade. And I'll probably curl my hair. You know, most days I wear my hair up in, in a messy bun, has zero intention behind it just to get it out of my face. But at events like this, I usually let my hair down literally and figuratively and I curl my hair and I put on makeup and it's like I'm there with in a way that is not truly authentic to who I am the rest of my life. I don't really like showing up in that way, but I do know that if I were to show up to an event dressed as I am right now, I would feel so unattractive and I would feel uncomfortable. And, you know, that's not the way I want to be seen, which is really interesting, right? Like the fact that I don't want to be seen for who I am at my most comfortable, that's a little sad to me. (laughs) That if I just allow myself to be, if I allow myself to be comfortable, that is not a state in which I want other people to witness me. In other words, I generally want to be seen for who I am when I'm controlled. I want to control the way other people see me because I've been taught that that is acceptable and it's unacceptable to be seen comfortable 
it's unacceptable to be seen as natural. I mean, that, that to me is like a little bit of a mind blowing. Earlier today, I was talking to a friend who's going through a really rough time. And this friend shared that they were having a really tough day and somebody came to support them. And they felt a little insecure about their appearance because they were not wearing a nice outfit or not doing their hair. And they kind of described themselves as like a little bit of a wreck. And the context in which they shared this was as if like, I can't believe this person cared about me despite what I looked like. And I thought, wow, of course they cared about you. This person loves you. They're there to be supportive of you going through a rough time. They're not expecting you to have your hair done and be wearing a nice outfit. They're there and they probably didn't even notice. If my friend called me and said, I'm going through a rough time. I need you to support. Will you please come over? The last thing I'd be thinking about is their appearance. I might notice it, but I could care less. That is true love and support. That's true acceptance. And that's what I hope for with other people perceiving me. In fact, even though I feel pressure to show up a certain way with my sister, like my sister's not expecting me to look polished all the time. She might have that expectation if we like go out somewhere, right? But I certainly don't feel like I have to dress up for my sister every second that we're together. She doesn't expect that of me and she doesn't care. And neither do the other people in my life that I have loving relationships with. And that those are the safe people, right? But isn't that odd that like we separate people? I mean, at least I do. I think a lot of us do. We have our family members and our close friends. They're the ones that can see us looking natural and comfortable, but God forbid anyone in our professional lives see us that way. And yet I guarantee that most people that we know professionally, they have that comfortable side. So we're seeing them in this uncomfortable fake state most of the time. We're all putting on these acts. And this is generalizing. I'm not saying everyone's like that. But I've like leaned into the fact that I'm not wearing makeup or doing my hair to go on a Zoom meeting, you know. But if these were in-person meetings, probably would. Even yesterday when I went to the clothing store, I was just wearing like a an outfit of uh, leggings and a, a workout top because I that's what was clean and comfortable. And I remember the whole day I was out wearing it, I thought, oh, I look awful. And I was constantly having these moments of like discomfort and like not wanting anyone to see me, even though I chose to go out wearing that, I felt self-conscious of it while I was out and felt like I should have like dressed up to go to the clothing store. I mean, <laughs> it's funny for me because it's just so silly. Like why? I didn't know any, they were all strangers. Who cares? But so many of us care. We've been trained to care. When the reality is, if I were to think about all the people that I passed by and the few people that I interacted with yesterday when I was at that shop and running some other errands, I have no idea what they were wearing. I don't remember what their hair was like. You know what I remembered was how they treated me. As cliche as that sounds, there's one guy in particular who was working at this uh, optical shop. I went to get new glasses yesterday as part of my errands. And he was so nice. And the only reason 
he stands out of my mind physically is because I wanted to take in all of him. Like I just, I remember how he made me feel. And then I was just like noticing him, not because I was judging him, but because I was like, this man is amazing. Like, like an aura energy standpoint, like he just had this beautiful, like shininess about him. And it wasn't about his outfit. I could not tell you what he was wearing. I remember that he had nice hair and like, I guess whatever outfit he was wearing, I perceived to be nice, but like, I couldn't tell you what it was. I could just remember how he made me feel. And I remember when I went to my PO box, how the employees make me feel. They always make me feel good. They're nice people. And also, I don't care what I wear to the PO box because we all like each other. At least I think so. Like, I think it's mutual. So I never worry about what I'm going to wear there because it's like we light up when we see each other and it's like nothing to do with appearance. But then yet I felt most insecure around strangers who I was just passing by at the clothing store. That's so strange. I don't remember what any of them were wearing. So it's interesting. Like I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by the fact that I'm excited about all my outfits and I'm excited to go like, Maybe it's like, I feel like I'm playing a role. Like maybe the outfits just feel like costumes. Like, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's an occasion. I think many of us look forward to getting dressed up and maybe that's what it's about. It's not that I'm going in somewhere to be fake and be someone different than I am and mask myself. That's certainly part of it because that's not truly representative of who I am on a regular basis. But I'm kind of playing a role And maybe that's why I'm looking forward to it. It's like, oh, I get to do something different and dress up and, you know, act. But around my sister, that'll be interesting after processing this out loud. Hmm. Anyways, I will have a lot to share, I'm sure, about that event and about my whole trip. Let's see. I'll be recording a few more episodes before I leave for the trip. So it'll be probably two to three weeks before you get my post-trip recordings. I'm so excited to have some time off. I just did my last guest episode recording today and I'm taking a full, I think, two and a half weeks off from guest recording. And yeah, I think a full two weeks off total from any type of recording for this show. (laughs) I do have another podcast that I do weekly and unsure about whether we'll be recording while I'm on my trip. And I certainly be doing work at this event. I have clients there and I'm presenting a talk there. So it's not quite a vacation for a full two weeks. But outside of that event, I won't be working a ton. I'll be visiting with my friend and my sister, friends, plural. I'll be seeing a few friends. I'll be going to national parks I'm so excited and I can't wait to drive. (laughs) Even though it feels exhausting and like work, I just love driving and listening to audiobooks and podcasts and just listening to nothing. It's sad because Evie's not coming with me and it's still debating. I'm like, should I make a last minute decision for her to come with me? But I feel 90% sure that I'm going to leave her behind and That makes me sad. The bonding that I feel with Evie on these road trips is so special, but 
going to a conference and I'm going to a concert with my sister and, you know, doing a bunch of things. And there's always an extra element of taking care of Evie that I don't mind, but it adds more stress and consideration and adjustments. And I kind of want to give myself the freedom to truly do the trip. I was going to say on my own. I'm not going to be on my own most of the trip, but you know, the driving will be on my own and it'll be interesting to experience it without her, but it's hard. She's my little companion and comfort and just feel so connected to her. It's really hard for me to leave her. So maybe I'll have more to report about that. I know I'll have more to report about the trip, but the EV side of it would be interesting. With all that said, which is a phrase that Jason used to say a lot when he was on the show. And as I've been editing the YouTube videos, I noticed that like he would end almost every episode saying, and with that said, then he would say, you can visit wellevator.com, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com for the show notes. I don't have much to point you to today, aside from the YouTube video, whenever that goes up and referencing some other episodes, those will be in the show notes. Also, I'll link to Beyond Measure, which is really worth mentioning after the topic of this episode. If you didn't know about that, it's my private community that I've been working on for about two years now. And it's rooted in this concept of accepting people as they are. I encourage people to be their full selves and feel comfortable, show up in their comfortable selves. I certainly do. I never wear makeup. I sometimes don't even clean my home. It might just be messy. It's just as I am. I show up to be on measure as I am. And when I say that, we have weekly calls where we support each other and we talk through things and we do group activities. I have a special guest lined up for the near future. That's a new feature that I've added. And we have a private community where you can go and post and share updates and ask questions and get support and support others. And it just brings me so much joy. It's really developing now that I've decided to share it. I spent most of the past year and a half, or I would say the first year and a half of Beyond Measure, keeping it very private and testing it out and exploring it. And it's only been the past few months that I've started talking about it publicly. So I invite you to come join. I am working on charging for it at some point. I don't know when that'll be. As of the time of recording this, at the end of April 2022, it's free. But I recently added new features to it that have cost me money. So I think it's time for me to charge a little bit, but I want to keep it a a nominal fee that does not prohibit anyone from joining. And I always want to keep the option open for someone to join for free. I have to work out how that would be. But if cost is ever a barrier to joining Beyond Measure, please let me know because I would love to have you there. Having people that listen to the podcast as part of Beyond Measure is like the greatest thing. Uh, there's a few members in there who reg- who listen regularly and sometimes they share their notes and their thoughts on episodes and it's really cool. Like Beyond Measure is not about me. It is about everybody collectively in this community, truly. And the members are unbelievable. There's a few core members who show up to every single call who post frequently in there. I've also built in the reward system, which I think I talked about last week in the Web3 episode where 
I have this social token called the WellCoin. It's part of this platform called Rally. And I started rewarding people who participate in Beyond Measure with free cryptocurrency. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode and this makes zero sense to you, I encourage you to go listen to that because I explain all about it. And speaking of cryptocurrency, I've just spent the past week or so, maybe well, more than that, but really the last week, I have been deep in research about the environmental sides of cryptocurrency and NFTs. And I'm working on an episode for my Web3 podcast, Web3 with Whitney, to talk all about that and explain what I've learned. And it's been really eye-opening. So if you'd like to learn about that, if that's a concern of yours, which I think we should all be concerned about that, I will let you know about that when it comes out. You can also go to the Web3 with Whitney page right now and check out past episodes. And depending on when you listen to this, that episode might actually be out. So that'll be linked everything in one place at wellevator.com. So go there, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, and that'll have references to everything I've talked about in this episode all in one place to make it super easy for you. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back in a few days with the next guest episode. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.